Okay. We are starting now Sunday's portion of Parsha's creation. So what happened finally is that Yaakov gets back home, comes back to his father, to Hebron. Yitzchak, Rivka has passed away before he made it, shortly before. He went through many troubles, many pains. He's like, 20 years I love him. The encounter with Esau, the pain with Dina, the destruction of Shechem and all of the nations starting up and trying to go to war with them at that point. He's gone through a lot. A lot. And now finally he arrives with his wives. Rachel unfortunately passed away. He went through that pain as well. He's back with his three wives, with his children, settling down. Or that's what he thinks. So the first verse says, And Jacob settled in the land of his father's travelings in the land of Canaan. So Rashi says, We have here that um, first we had in the past, at the end of the previous Parsha, we had many verses describing the settlings of Esau and all of his offspring in a very concise manner, just sort of like children, 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 fast, fast, fast. Why? Because they weren't very treasured by God or held in esteem. So we don't need all the details of how they settled and all their battles and how they took over the land from the Chori. We don't need all that. Now we're coming to speak about Jacob and his family. Oh, wow. Now we're going to go into a lot, a lot of detail. We're going to speak at tremendous length. We're speaking from now till the end of the Chomish, the end of Bracious and the Hoshmos, and Vayikra's more laws, but the Midbar and the Varm, we have many, many events that happened to Jacob and his family until they got back to the land of Israel. So we had a few verses describing Esau and his children in a very quick fashion, as brief as could be. And now we're spending verses and verses and chapters and chapters and portions and portions on the travelings, on the events in the evolution of Jacob and his family and ultimately the Jewish people. So why do we have this? Why do we go through Esau and so briefly and then we speak about Jacob in such length? So Rashi says, because Esau and his family is not as important to God. He's just mentioning it very briefly. And Jacob and his family is very important to God. They're speaking at length. Like we see that when we speak of the ten generations from Adam to Noah, we just go very fast. So-and-so had so-and-so, so-and-so had so-and-so, so-and-so had so-and-so, no elaboration. And also the ten generations from Noah to Abraham. Very fast. But about Adam, we spoke at length. And about Noah, we spoke at length. About Abraham, we speak at length. And Rashi now gives us two parables, two different ways to understand this dynamics. The first one is if someone had a pearl that fell into the sand. And we're feeling through the sand and sifting it until we find the pearl. And when you find it, you throw away all the pebbles or whatever came into your hand first from deceiver, and then you have the pearl. So this is like, I mean, Rashi doesn't explain, but what Rashi means is, so here we have the treasure, we have the pearl, we have the Jewish people. The first time sifting through the sand, I'm going quickly, quickly, quickly through Asaph and all the pebbles, all of his... Well, I mean, you read it, you know, this portion of Shabbos, 
one horrible person after the other, all such lowness and ugh, sick immorality going on there. Fast, 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 bunch of pebbles. Get rid of them all so I can focus on, pull out from the sand the pearl. Jacob, the treasure, the Jewish people. That's one way of understanding it, which means I really want the pearl. And to get to the pearl, I have to get rid of the pebbles. So that's why I quickly speak about Asaph and then focus for the rest of Homish on Jacob and his children. Another parable, an alternative, opposite way of explaining it, is envisioned as a flax merchant with camels enter a town laden with flax. Camel after camel, flax, flax, flax. So a blacksmith says, we're in this, we're in this town. We're going to store all this flax. So some smart person said, what, what spark from your bellows will burn up all the flax? So similarly, Jacob is seeing all of these chiefs of Asav, all the chiefs whose names were written above in yesterday's portion, and he said, who could conquer all of them? So what do we see? What is the next verse? These are the children of Jacob. Joseph. Joseph is the solution to all those chiefs of Asav because it says that Joseph has the power to annihilate Asav. So from this perspective, from the perspective of the first parable, our goal was to get to Jacob's family, and we have to go through Asaph to get to the pearl, Jacob's family. According to the second parable, it's opposite. The Torah writes about Asaph, and the Torah writes all the chiefs and descendants, and there are the eight kings, and all the chiefs, and everything from Asaph. And Jacob is like, what's going on? Oh, my, how are we going to conquer all this evil? So the response to that is, these are the children of Jacob, Joseph. Because Joseph, again, if it says these are the children of Jacob, start with like Reuven, and then list all his 12 sons. No, it says these are the children of Jacob, Joseph. Because Joseph is the response to all the evil of Asa, because spiritually, Joseph has the ability to overcome Asa's evil. That is this first very long Rashi. Now, the second verse says, as we just said, these are the children of Jacob. Joseph, at the age of 17 years, was a shepherd with his brothers by the flock, and he was a youth with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph would bring evil reports of them to their father. That, that means the brothers, to their father. Okay, what's going on in this verse? A lot. So these are the children of Jacob, Joseph. Now that, right away, of course, is a question which Rashi preempted by his second parable. If it says these are the children of Jacob, it should say Reuven, and then Shimon, and then Levi. It should list the 12 sons, of which Joseph was born 11th of the 12. But it doesn't list 12. It only lists one. These are the children of Jacob, Joseph. What's going on? So the first answer that Rashi gives is, when it says children, it doesn't mean the children. It means these are their settlings and the terms of event until they arrived at their permanent residence. Meaning, Toldos here, children here, doesn't mean literally children, but it means these are the events in establishing the offspring of Jacob, establishing the offspring of Jacob as a nation. So the first significant event at this point in establishing the offspring of Jacob as a nation is Joseph, who went down to Egypt, and he went down to Egypt, 
eventually all the Jews went into Egypt, and then there was a servitude in Egypt, and then there's the miracle of the release of Egypt, and then there was a desert, and they get to that Israel. So if you're looking at it from a global perspective, the selling of Joseph to Egypt is the next major event in the development of the Jewish people as a nation. That's the first answer of Rashi. The second answer is, these are the children. So that, in, in that first answer, we're not looking at children in a literal sense, but children means like these are all the offsprings of Jacob. These are significant events in establishing the offspring of Jacob as a nation. In the second explanation Rashi gives, children means literal, meaning these are the children of Jacob, Joseph. Why only Joseph? Why is Joseph the children of Jacob? Because there's several reasons. First of all, the whole reason Jacob was working for those 14 years for Lovin was for Rachel, Joseph's mother. So even though, by the way, he married Leah and had those six other children, and by the way, he married these two shifts concubines, but the, the whole purpose was for Rachel, and Rachel's son, Saint's son, was Joseph. Additionally, Joseph resembled Jacob in their physical appearance, and everything that happened to Jacob happened to Joseph. Jacob was hated by his brother. Joseph was hated by his brothers. Jacob, his brother, wanted to kill him. Joseph, his brothers, wanted to kill him. And there are many other parallelisms between the life of Jacob and the life of Joseph. According to the first explanation of Rashi, children doesn't mean children. It means these are the happenings of the life of his children, the lives of his children. And Joseph was the first significant happening. According to the second explanation, no, it means literally children. And the significant child of Jacob was Joseph for the reasons we said above, both because he's the main child of his main marriage and because there were so many similarities between the two. Additionally, now we're going back to the opening verse. If you remember, that I told you that here Jacob had gone through so much with Lavan, with Esav, with Dina, with Shem, with Rachel passing away. He went through so many troubles. And finally, he thought he's ready to settle down. So the first verse says, and Jacob settled down. He wanted to live in peace. But that didn't happen. Because what was the response to his desire to live in peace? The troubles of Joseph happened. And it says that the righteous want to dwell in peace. And, and God says, what? Peace is for the next world. This world is not for peace. This world is for work. So in other words, well, this, in this third explanation, the reason why it says these are the children of Jacob, Joseph, is because this is the response to the first verse. The first verse says, Jacob wants to live in peace. Uh-uh-uh-uh. These are the children of Jacob, Joseph. No, Jacob, you're not living in peace now. You still have much work to do in this world. You're not ready to retire. And here we have the whole very, very tragic, difficult event in the life of Jacob, which was the disappearance for 22 years of Joseph. So it's describing Joseph as it says he was a youth. So Rashi says he would do things associated with the youth. He would fix his hair. He would groom himself to look attractive. Where there's many, many different spiritual explanations of why he did this because Joseph was called Joseph the Saint, the Sadiq, the most righteous individual. It's very unusual 
for the Torah to give someone that title, blood tzaddik, the righteous one, who is very, very holy, and there's many different spiritual reasons why he would do these things. Some specifically saying he didn't want people to understand how holy he was. He was trying to, like, look common, you know, when he really was such a godly person. It says he was with the sons of Bilhan and Zilpah. The Rashi says that he specifically would try to reach out to them because we have Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Rachel. We have the six sons of Leah. And then we have four sons, two and two, from Bilhan and Zilpah that were considered like secondary wives. They weren't wives of the same stature as Leah, Leah and Rachel. They weren't matriarchs on that level. So because of that, unfortunately, the six sons of Leah didn't treat these four sons as on the same level as they were because they were children from the maid, while their children from Jacob's wife. So Joseph specifically befriended them. He hung out with them. He befriended them because he wanted to draw them close since he felt his other brothers were pushing them away. It shows us Joseph as, as a leader. He was already at age 17, and he was younger than all the brothers besides Benjamin, but he was already viewing himself in a sense as the leader of the brothers and therefore taking responsibility to draw close the ones he felt were being pushed away. Now it says he was bringing back evil reports to the father. What does this mean? So anything negative he saw in his brothers and the sons of Leah, he would tell his father. Now why did he do this? He, he did this not to just gossip about them, but he did this because the father has the obligation to know and to properly educate them. So he wasn't doing this just to idly chatter or to gossip because he wasn't telling anyone else in the world this news. He was just sharing it with his father who hopefully would help him. So what did he say already? I mean, his brothers are very righteous. So there's three things he said. Now, all of the three, honestly, the brothers really weren't as bad as Joseph thought. Because Joseph was so holy, he was like more removed from the world than they were because he was so holy. And therefore, he didn't always see what they were doing exactly as they were doing it. Or some things were as we would call circumstantial because God obviously set this up. The one thing he said to his father is that they were eating the limb of an animal that was detached from a living animal. Meaning he thought that they did this when it was, it was, it was still alive. So there's many, 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 many commentaries on what was going on here. I mean, there's so many. Whatever. I mean, there's so many different ways of understanding this because obviously on one hand, Joseph wasn't saying why. Joseph sincerely thought they did this. And on the other hand, the brothers were not sinners. They obviously didn't do anything wrong. So I'll, I'll just give you one explanation. There are many, many explanations for all of these things. So some say that they were eating, eating from uh, what's called the Nifarechas, which is an animal that's still thrashing about after its neck is cut. Such animals are considered slaughter, and the Jews are allowed to eat it. But by the standards that apply to a non-Jew, which is interesting since they have fewer laws, their laws are stricter, that's considered still living. So the sons of Jacob felt they're the stature of Jews, and therefore they can eat it. Joseph said, wait, the Torah wasn't given yet. So if there's something stricter by the non-Jews than by the Jews, until the Torah is given, you still have to follow the laws of the non-Jews as well as the laws of the Jews, and therefore you're not allowed to eat it. 
that's just one of many, many explanations on what did he see and what were they doing. The second piece of their inappropriate behavior that he said to his father is that they were belittling the sons of the maidservants by calling them servants. Um, where, again, there's many different explanations on, again, they, what were they doing here? So, some, so one explanation is that sometimes these sons of Leah were studying topics, very Kabbalistic spiritual topics, which they felt their half-brothers from the mage could not be privy to that they didn't have the lineage to be privy to these very, very Kabbalistic topics. So Joseph thought that they were being, like, snobbing their brothers, and they were, like, not letting them join them in their Torah study. But truly, they weren't trying to be disrespectful to the other brothers, but they felt that this type of study that they were doing, this very, very mystical, deep study, they didn't think those brothers could be privy to by virtue of their mothers. A uh, simpler explanation is that the sons of Leah said that the wives had originally been slaves, not that they're currently slaves and not that their children are slaves. And Joseph misunderstood and he thought they were saying, right now these brothers of theirs are also like slaves. Um... The third thing they said is that he suspected them of being immoral. And again, there was many, many different ideas of what this means. Immoral, one simple idea, again, all these things have so many explanations, it's like beyond. But one simple answer is that the brothers were selling their products, meaning they were shepherds, right? So all the products of the sheep they were selling, and men and women would come and buy them. So from Joseph, who was very removed from the world, to him it seems so inappropriate that the brothers are talking with these women, like fraternizing with them, as they're selling them these products of the sheep. From the brothers' end, they were just doing commerce. They weren't looking at it as like, oh, we're doing something wrong, we're talking to women here. But Joseph, who was so, so holy, felt and was so remote from the world, much more remote than the other brothers, so it doesn't seem that way. And we're like, what? No, he really was on a spiritual level, and therefore he felt like, how could they be doing this? But they really could be, meaning they didn't sin, and yet truly he thought they did. So everything Joseph said, he truly thought they did. He truly thought was wrong. He was very concerned. And he was going to his father like, you know, got to help these boys, help our brothers. Look, look at all this stuff they're doing wrong. He truly believed it. He wasn't trying to slander them. At the same time, and again, there's many more explanations than I've given you for each one of these three things he said, all of which exonerate the brothers and explain the brothers truly did nothing wrong, but truly Joseph thought they did. So therefore, Rashi goes on to say that in retribution, because Joseph said these three things, he was punished, he suffered something similar in each of these areas. Now again, it's a very difficult thing because he was, he, he all he was doing was telling the father so the father would help them. He wasn't trying to do anything wrong here. But still, on his level, it was considered very wrong. 
this is when you're when you're that holy, you're judged very very severely. So even though he only went and told the father, and he had no purpose of slander and no purpose purpose of gossiping, he knew he was trying to get them in trouble. But still, on his level, this was wrong. And really, what would have been required from him, so to speak, for each of these issues was to do a lot more investigation because knowing his brothers and knowing how pious each one of them is and how righteous they were, if he sees something so wrong, he shouldn't have first gone to the father. He should have really, really, really investigated. But again, this was, in a sense, a big setup from God. So how was he struck in each of these areas? Since he said about they were eating the limb from living animals, when they sold him, it says they slaughtered a goat when they sold him, meaning they didn't do anything with it alive. They properly slaughtered it and then dipped his coat in its blood. Because he said that they called their brother's servants, he was sold as a slave. Because he felt they were being inappropriate with the woman, that's why his master's wife tried to be inappropriate with him. Obviously, as you can see, there's lots and lots of different concepts that have to be discussed in this section to truly understand it properly. So many details. We're only in the very beginning of this section.